many more people up here than we do. <laughs> <laughs> Something's <laughs> not quite. Yeah, right. It looked like seriously. Good deal. Well, we appreciate um, y'all coming on the 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 last week. Sad um, to to be done right when we're. Um, it seems like we just just got started. I don't think it seems like that to Josh and Grant for sure. I think it was probably two years ago when we kind of. Uh, introduced the idea of thinking about it. I think these guys were not not so sure. I don't know if they're any more sure now than, than a couple of years ago um, about what they were getting into. But uh, I kind of wish we could make a and I might all I might have them just the text thread uh, from the last two years would be a pretty good would be a pretty good read. Some of Grant's. Um, Texts have been good on on what uh, Josh was getting ready to do the next week um, or the past week, and so I would like. And maybe we should make those public and uh, sell those on eBay or wherever they sell that kind of stuff. So, uh, but um, I got. I have to say before uh, we pray or do anything, just how appreciative I am of all five of these guys and uh, um, Josh and Grant um, for the long haul been very very faithful we don't know if the 55 weeks maybe of Roman something like that and uh, they have been uh, incredible uh, a ton of reading grappling with the, the passage um, praying um, all the things that goes with teaching the word guys I'm very grateful for you and your faithfulness and certainly the Lord will reward you for that and I think and, and I think does reward us through just the the growth uh, that we get by um, by studying the word, and then Scott and Carter and, and Papa, you guys have all had such uh, neat impact, and um, being able to join us, Scott, those times in Romans eight were uh, um, super uh, impacting uh, on me. Your insights there, and then uh, certainly as Liliana um, as we went through the the trials of that, or as you did, the the to be able to lean on those promises in Romans 8. I'd love to hear a little bit about that uh, even today if we, we have some time there. So um, before we uh, continue the, the feast, um, I think, Josh, because of your counseling degree, you would be most uh, um, able to pronounce these names uh, in, in Romans 16. That seems like that all goes together. And, uh, and so if you would read Romans 16, uh, we've got 26 people here that uh, that Paul refers to, I think, 24 of them by name, um, and uh, and then we will um, talk about a little bit about Romans 16, and then probably go back and, and review a little bit from from what we've enjoyed about Romans in general. But Josh, if you would read that, and Grant, if you would pray, we'll go to work. Chapter 16, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Sincre, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and myself as well. Greet Prisca and Achilla, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Eponidas, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners. They're well known to the apostles, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Aristobulus, greet my kinsman Herodion, greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus, greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphania and Tryphosa, greet the beloved Persis who has worked hard in the Lord, greet Rufus chosen in the Lord, also his mother who has been a mother to me as well, greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Petrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them, Greet Philogelus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who are with them. 
greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites, and by smooth talk and flattery they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you, and so do Lucius and Jason and Sosipater, my kinsmen. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother Cordus greet you. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Grant you pray for us. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day and the privilege of this Roman study that you have um, established and sustained for a little over a year now. And so, Father, I pray that in this last meeting, um, our study would be honoring to you, Father, um, and that we would be strengthened as we review what uh, Paul has said through the book of Romans, Father, and that it would impact us greatly going forward and that we would not forget it as we move on maybe to other studies. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, Grant, I love your insights on um, <coughs> Romans 16 kind of starting and ending uh, with the gospel. And maybe we'll uh, try to say most of the doxology for I at the end if we have time and don't forget. But uh, tell us kind of your thoughts there. That's, that's a, That was an interesting um, observation. Um, yeah, I guess that's really all the observation that I had, but I just noticed that at the very end here, Paul um, sort of summarizes in that doxology about the mystery that hadn't been revealed, but is now revealed to all the nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of the faith. So he basically, right there before the final doxology, ends the book with that phrase, the obedience of the faith, and he opened the book with it as well in chapter 1 where um, I'll just read in verse 1 Paul a servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle set apart for the gospel of God which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead Jesus Christ our Lord through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. So it was interesting to me that he opens the book with obedience of faith and he closes the book with obedience to faith. And I realize that phrase probably has a little bit of discussion for what exactly it means, but um, for me it was telling that he opens the book with the gospel um, with the purpose of it to bring about the obedience of the faith um, for all nations. And then he closes with the same thing, basically summarizing that the gospel has been made known to all the nations to bring about for the purpose of bringing about the obedience of the faith. So we see that uh, sort of bookends of the whole book, this idea of, of uh, the gospel message bringing about obedience um, and not just licentiousness, but this freedom for obedience coming from the gospel, opening the book with it and closing the book with it. Scott, nobody's, uh, Maybe in the whole free world, but especially in our last <laughs> seven years of the church, has helped us with the gospel more than you have. Not shocking, right? That Paul would do this in the book of Romans. What's your guess here as to, to, to why he goes about that? Well, I mean, I, I don't know for sure. I mean, I know Jerry Bridges would say it's because we're prone to forget the gospel. Paul probably would, would say the same thing. I mean, because we did. I mentioned this before, the book Discipline of Grace by Jay Bridges, and pretty much every chapter, he brings the gospel back in every single chapter because he will, he will lay out commands and he will realize you're going to try to go do this on your own, your own strength. And Paul, I mean, Paul lays out the gospel so beautifully here. Like even 
there's hardly any commands, the first 11 chapters. I think there's mm -hmm. seven, maybe, or six or seven, something like that. And then there's 20 in just Romans 12. It's just in light of the mercies of God. And so even there, he's going to bring it back again at the end. I mean, this is the power, again, to live the Christian life, is this gospel message. And so, and he knows, I think, I'm sure Paul knows, we're prone to forget to move on from this gospel, but we cannot, we, we must not move on from yeah. this gospel. Certainly, Paul knows that, and by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that's how he lays this out so beautifully. We need to do the same. Scott, again, help us with why this is not just for the unbeliever. We can kind of have, there There can be, I don't think there's quite that mentality now as there was 20 years ago. But I think because people have brought the importance of the gospel for believers, but tell us one more time, just why is it so important for us now? Yeah, I mean, I mean it guards you from being prideful on, on the one side, and it, it keeps you from just despair on the other side. I mean, because we're, we're, we're practicing sinners every single day. We're practicing sinners, so we, we need this reminder like Jerry Bridges, just every day he comes like, you know, I'm, I'm, he's the, the tax collector. Like, that's every day. Like, God be merciful to me, a sinner. We start that way. It creates humility instantaneously. But then he's the one who goes home justified. It's the, it's the blood of Jesus again. I mean, when you hear about the blood of Jesus, I'm just reading yesterday where the prospective members, you're reading about the gospel, and immediately it ignites something in your soul. It, it creates worship. It creates this desire to, I want to live for the Lord again. I mean, this is the power to live the Christian life is the gospel message. You can never hear it too much. I mean, it just doesn't matter. In song, like, we're singing there almost every Sunday, especially when our church first started. The songs were so gospel-centered that every week I was just moved afresh by the gospel. And you're, you're just, you want to just praise him. You want to live for him. It's, yeah. So it's, we got to, it's absolutely essential for the believer as well as the unbeliever. Yeah. No. And, and thrilling to the soul for yes. sure. Josh, from, from uh, chapter 16, what have you uh, enjoyed here? There's certainly there's all these greetings, but then there's um, he sneaks a couple things in between there too. What can you? What have, yeah, what's he does he sneak a few things in there. But I, I mean, just looking at the greetings, you you read that. Uh, I didn't know I was going to read all the names out loud. It's funny <laughs> you when you have job. to read it yeah. out loud, you're, you're second-guessing yourself. When you read it in your head, you just kind of go so right over it. happens when you get your counseling degree. That's <laughs> you earn that, uh, that right. Appointed reader. But I think there are some interesting things to, to look at with the greetings, and I was helped by a commentator greatly on this. But, he, I mean, we're right here in the midst of Paul's conclusion. He's wrapping things up. He, he details in chapter 15... A little bit of his ministry in the second half of chapter 15. He kind of goes through his plans there starting in 22 to the end of the chapter. And then in uh, 16, he gives all these greetings. You mentioned 26 different individuals, five households. And uh, what, what can we learn? And I, I think it's significant to notice what Paul acknowledges in a lot of these people, what he's putting pen to paper on. Uh, through Tertius and what he's calling out is important. And one of the things that comes up over and over is their um, this idea of being partners and fellow workers and servants in the Lord. Mm. And so we, we see the importance of Christian fellowship. This is not the only place where Paul refers to his, as, as fellow workers. We see it in um, Philippians and many other New Testament letters. And there is a great... Um, need for Christian fellowship, and we see that here clearly, but also the importance of hard work. Uh, I think verse 1, verse 3, 6, 9, and 12, there, there are those who've worked hard in the Lord, mm. and um, we also see the importance of, of brotherly love. There's a uniting fellowship with Paul and these other believers that, he, that he's mentioned, a, a strong bond of fellowship, and how important that is in the Lord. That's great. You know, Paul's uh, talking about hard work. We uh, referenced this uh, yesterday with the, the new members class. Uh, Philippians 2, you don't need to turn there. Let me just read. The, the combination of our working hard and the Lord being sovereign. Therefore, my beloved brother, beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not as in my presence, but much more in my absence, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Boy, there's hard work. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. One thing about Romans that's been really incredible to me, as in the rest of Paul's letters, as in the rest of Scripture, is that God's sovereignty and man's responsibility go, go hand to hand. They're not ever uh, opposed to each other. They just go together. 
and and uh, certainly um, we see this in Romans over and over. Carter chapter sixteen uh, to you. What what is hit the spot? Just going back to what y'all said about Paul starting with the gospel and ending with the gospel. The gospel is like the rallying cry, like we talked about before, like the early point, the early points of our study when we talked about Paul's rallying the church together around the central hope that we have. I mean, the gospel is the anchor. It's the it's like the tent stake that holds up the tent of Christian unity. And you see this list of names, and like um, Stachys, Urbanus, they're slaves. And then you see the uh, fa- the family and the households of Herodian of Narcissus, which is a slave that became prominent. You just see all these different people from different socioeconomic statuses, from different places in life, but all but every single one of their hope is banked in the same person and in, in the work of Jesus Christ. Uh, the gospel is just, it's where everyone could come around, it's where everyone, it's where we all have our hope set. This is the anchor of our souls and this is why we can sing together and just be moved to a dimension that other people just cannot understand because the gospel is is everything to us and it brings everyone together which is why that I think in 17 it makes sense that Paul would want to guard that hope not to be betrayed by false teachings false doctrines it's so essential to keep unity the spirit manufactures the unity but uh, the church must preserve the unity through the preservation of the gospel so i think that was that was um what stood out to me in paul's last address to that's a message. good point look at verse 17 what carter's talking about i appeal to you brothers watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles so you're saying the gospel brings great unity no divisions, no obstacles should be happening uh, inside the church. And you see this with the, the unity, whether that's the slave, the Jews and the Gentiles. Has that ever hit me in a different way? That just Paul's really effort to, to cause them to not um, see things from, from such a different angle, but to, to, be, to rally together, the rallying cry, like you said, uh, the gospel, the unity there. Papa, um, help us with what you understood from 16. Well, I don't want to sound like me too, but I uh, was um, hung up on the doxology. According to the gospel in verse 25, and then according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret, and then uh, in verse 26, according to the command of the eternal God. you got three according to's. And they all go back to the gospel. And you can say, well, I hear that all the time, gospel, gospel, gospel. What is the gospel? And, and Luther found it in Romans 16, 1, 16, 17. It's the power of God for salvation. And, you know, we've covered this before. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And that's the, the culture clash mm-hmm. that we're talking about. For in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Luther had tried uh, <coughs> repeatedly to find Christ by good works. And, you know, he was stymied by that. And he, he in, in, in this verse, 16, it's the power of the gospel. It's that dynamite. It, it'll... You know, it, it it is not only the power to change, to regenerate you, but it's the power to keep you in the faith. Mm-hmm. So it's not just a one-time deal where you walk away and sing hallelujah. It's a it's a it's a process by day by day by day. The, the God is strengthening you, and 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 then it's it, it's hidden for long ages. You know, Jesus could have said, "Hey guys, you know, I was really born in Bethlehem, not in Nazareth." and revealed himself. He wasn't really revealed completely until his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. That mystery. And now it's been revealed for the whole world and that's the gospel that Paul and and the other apostles were preaching. Yeah, well that's good. And it comes from uh, chapter 15, uh, which was a couple weeks ago now, but uh, this hope, uh, may the God, verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. Hope again 
in the New Testament is an eager anticipation of what's sure to come. We have this great hope, and Titus was hope, um, faith, and love spring from this hope. And uh, we see that um, with certainly uh, Romans ending with a on uh, with great hope. If you look verse um, 19, for your obedience is known to all, chapter 16, verse 19, sorry, so that I rejoice over you. You see the way Paul is rejoicing over the people. I love that. But why I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. To be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. Do you guys have any um, insights on that On that thought there? I, I found that a, um, an interesting phrase while you're thinking about it. The God of peace. So... Uh, certainly, we have the peace of God from Philippians 4 because of the God of peace. The God of peace gives us the peace of God. The God of peace, we're talking about justification, that he has reconciled us. And we're going all the way back to Romans 5. Um, and we're reconciled so there's no hostility. So now we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he gives us also that subjective peace, doesn't he? The peace that surpasses all understanding. Um, be anxious for nothing but everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so we, we have this peace. Papa, when you're thinking about um, being innocent as to the evil and wise to what is good. Um, what comes to mind there? Well, you recognize it for one thing, I think. The, a discernment? Right. As a, to what's... A discernment. Right and wrong. It, suddenly it becomes like black and white. Mm. There's no gray area. And, and, and so that which is evil, you recognize as evil. I think the coach said it best when he said... You balls know, and strikes. balls and strikes. You're all umpires. Mm -hmm. We're to call balls and strikes to the world, and regardless of what the world's saying. Mm -hmm. So it's just no. That discernment allows you to call the balls and strikes. Right, and that's not saying that there aren't some areas like we read about the strong brother and the weak brother in chapter 14 and chapter 15 that are a little more gray. But generally speaking, we know what is true. And we and uh, and can call the balls and strikes as it is, and we should be able to do that um, from our understanding of of scripture. But the but but strong and weak though, we 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 have discernment again. We recognize that we and we come alongside. Now, if that proves to be in <coughs> error, then that's a ball and yes. strike situation. But typically, we come alongside to lift up and share that hope, the peace that we have in Christ. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, Emery and Thomas and Zach, you guys did a good study of Romans. Love to hear from you um, on this too when you're on your Thursday mornings, which are now Tuesday mornings or Tuesday afternoons or whatever time of week. But the ones a week studying Romans, which you were in there about as long as we were, I think, um, or we have been. Uh, so love to hear from your guys' thoughts on in general. But if you're if we're trying to sum up just what we can gather, I'm really excited to hear from the panel of uh, Romans experts, starting with you over there, Scott. What gives us, <coughs> I don't, like, what stands out? What is, uh, how do we get a better understanding of the gospel, maybe from Romans than, than, uh, than from other letters? Um, what stands out to you? Well, can I just, Grant's got his phone out with extra notes. He's got <laughs> oh, no, we got to start with Grant. something right here. I yeah, okay. I want to check with Grant. Well, good. This could like just take this. us right to the end, Grant. you got 23 <laughs> minutes. I was just prepping for your questions. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Scott's throwing me in. All right. Yeah. Um, well, I don't really have maybe a good answer to the second part of your question, but what stood out to me in Romans, maybe just going back to what... The primary things that stood out to me as we as we studied this were three things. Um, it was propitiation in Romans 3, it was the righteousness from God in Romans 3 and chapter 1, and then it was future glorification in Romans 8. Those were primarily the things that 
impacted me, changed how I thought, and hopefully changed how I lived, and uh, um, changed how I thought about Romans in many ways, but it wasn't anything new or radical with propitiation. It, it wasn't something that I didn't know about, but I think the emphasis of it caught my attention with the importance of understanding it in regards to the gospel early on. Um, because I think Paul was really highlighting it in Romans 3 especially of how God could both be just and the justifier and there had been uh, maybe a push more towards just expiation propitiation being um, the satisfaction or turning away from anger the appeasement or satisfaction of God's wrath to incur divine favor and then expiation would just be the fancy way of saying the removal of sin and the guilt that goes with the sin and so a lot of times maybe you can hear that uh, the gospel is just expiation, right? It's just God removing of the sin, which would not make him just because there's no punishment for the sin. And even in, in Romans 3, it talks about him in his divine forbearance passing over former sins. Um, if those sins were not paid for, then God would not be just. But he does expiate the sins. He, he puts them away, but he also propitiates the sin through the blood uh, of his son, and I can just read in chapter 3 here. Yeah, could you, could everybody turn there? This is the... If you're talking about one, boy, seven verse um, chunk of Romans that might sum up what we really want to be about, wouldn't you say, Grant, this might be about as good? Could you start in 330 and go all the way to 26? Sure. I mean 320? Uh, yes, 320. Um, <clears throat> and go through what you said? Uh, 26. Okay. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifest, manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Yeah, so that, that was really impactful to me when we stood out and we talked about the mercy seat um, from the Old Testament there and how that word is very similar to the word for propitiation for appeasement and this was either from Ligonier I can't remember or from Boyce um, but he was talking about the, the story that we've already talked about with the Pharisee and the tax collector how the uh, tax collector cries out um, God be merciful to, to me this sinner but uh, I'll say I think it was Boyce highlighted that he wasn't just calling out for God to be merciful. Basically, he was saying, God, be merciful to me. God, be mercy seated to me. Be propitiated to me. He was saying, treat me on the basis of the blood sprinkled upon the mercy seat. The sin has to be paid for, and it was paid for. Christ propitiated the wrath of God in our place. So there was wrath that would have been reserved for us, but God provided a um, spotless lamb. Christ is described in many ways as the, as the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world and I think that's the idea is um, the mercy seat was the place that God met with his people and it would be sprinkled with um, the sacrifice and that was Christ. He was the spotless lamb that takes away the sin of the world and I mean that had a huge impact on me because it's basically the inner workings of the gospel. It is the wrath of God put on Christ uh, that would have gone to us, the appeasement of that wrath, the divine favor now can be placed upon us because of what Christ has done, his righteousness that comes from God put on us um, to clothe us so that we are justified in his sight, not something that we did or will do. It's not that God um, enlivens our hearts so that we become uh, increasingly more righteous so that we can stand righteously in front of him, although that does happen. It's, we are immediately counted righteousness uh, even though we are not, because of the blood of Christ being clothed to us and that being applied to us, and we talked about that in Romans 5. But just that whole back and forth of, of propitiation and just really a cornerstone of, of what the gospel is really impacted me really heavily. How does that change you choose? Oh, sorry, Papa, no, no. go ahead. No, as compared to works in the, in the Luke 18 
Pharisee. I mean, he's look what all I've done, and I've tithed, and you know, not like this sinner over here. And he relies, the tax collector relied on the gospel. Boy, and when you're talking about that, you don't have to even go back a few verses. If we're going by our works, look where that gets us. Three ten. None is righteous, no, not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All turn aside together, they become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Well, that's not a very good resume. I think not. Right there. And that's what that guy, the other guy was coming with, even though he was all proud about it. Um, that's what we have without the without the Savior. Grant, um, I don't know, Tuesday and Thursday at work, at lunch. In the, when, when, how does this hit you in everyday life? Probably not as much as it should, but I think when we were going through it, um, it, it really, uh, for me, it magnified Christ in my mind for what he did, um, for being the propitiation for the wrath that was coming for me. I, I don't know that I have like a good answer for like what it did application-wise, but it did sort of give fullness to the gospel. It, it took away the gospel as just a term and sort of gave it a, some, some meat depth. to it, mm -hmm. some depth to it, to where I could understand it more fully, I think, as to what was taking place. And I think that maybe, I don't have the words to describe how that like one, two, three changed how I, I live, but I do think that it sort of just seeps into how you think about the world, um, especially in light of it was a God-initiated thing. It wasn't something that I did or was doing it was um all initiated by god for my benefit certainly all of scripture does that by romans bathe in romans for that and the hundredth time we go through romans will add the depth of the gospel that will bring um i think it'll bring joy it'll bring unity with each other all of these things that the, the lord has um done through this this book in us josh if you're going back um, to the beginning, then I'd like to hear from, from Thomas and Zach and Emery on this too from their study. What stands out? I think, I mean, there's so many things I think that have stood out, but if, if I'm thinking back through maybe some of the big picture things, the, um, like Grant said, the depth, the fullness, the completeness of God's plan of redemption accomplished by Christ and how he is both the just and the justifier. And I think maybe even looking at one chapters 1, 2, and 3, where there's this in-depth treatment of man's condition. And we're, we're fallen sinners. It's not only that we do the things that are listed in the, in the vice list there, that huge list at the end of chapter 1, but if you get to the end of Paul's argument there in chapter 3, there's that indictment of, of we're, we're not righteous. We cannot stand before God uh, without deserving His wrath. We do deserve His wrath. There's no fear of God before our eyes, and that is who we are. And I think when the gospel, it, when you understand who you are as not just a person who commits sinful acts, but a sinner to the core, like that is what we are and before Christ. Um, it helps or, or for me seeing that um, Christ took that punishment that I deserve because of who I am as a sinner. Uh, I think many times that the gospel became very sweet as we were studying that. And um, I, that's definitely one thing that stood out to me. No, I love it. Thomas, in your very first year loving the Lord, um, you got a good dose of Romans. Oh, yeah. And so, so much of what uh, makes you tick has to be from these, from these 16 chapters. What would you say as you kind of um, enjoyed it? What, what most stands out to you? Um, I really appreciate the um, chapters that are just full of like, practical application. Um, I think they're really direct and I think we have some good expositors that expound on it and um, you know I think Romans almost feels like one big sermon and Lawson said um, I think it's inform the mind ignite the heart and pour the will something like that yeah. I just think um, 
think Paul does an incredible job reminding us of everything we have to live for and then kind of the, the conduct of um, Christians and what that looks like. Yes, and certainly when you get to 12 and 13 and 14 and 15 and even here, it, there is. There's the response to the gospel. What a great thing that he gives. And I love that what you're saying, Scott, with six or seven commands in the first 11 chapters. And then an explosion of this is now what we're free to do. Not what we have to do as much as what we get to do because of the gospel. Yeah, really good. Yeah, Emery, what did you Yeah, it's, uh, you guys studied it. It's all so good. And it's like, what, it's like, what can I choose as my, you know, what, my favorite part? Or, yeah, I do. You know, that. it's, uh, you know, Paul, Paul's just like, you know, none is righteous. Uh, everybody's equal at the foot of the cross. I mean, everybody needs the, the grace of God really expand. He expounds on the grace of God and that it's, it's by his righteous choice. And, you know, for the Greeks not to be high minded, the Romans, not, you know, the Gentiles and, the, the Jews not to be high-minded for them to be in, you know, after Abraham in the flesh. And it's like, you know, y'all are all, you know, partakers of Christ and by, you know, by grace. And yeah. it's just all, it's, it's all so good. It is. No, it is. It is also good. It's for sure. Zach, would, if you had a, um, hard to do that in, in less than six hours. It's true, yeah. <laughs> Um, something I revisit quite often is this transformation mm. that happens after we encounter the living God. So mm -hmm. this middle stretch of Romans starting in 5 through 8 yeah. where we're dead in Adam, alive in Christ. You know, just black and white over and over again. Dead to sin, alive to God. Slaves to sin. Now we're slaves to righteousness. Um, we're in a covenant to the law and sin, and then now we're married to Christ, our new husband. And then, you know, it just keeps getting sweeter the further you go, and we land as being children of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Oh. Children yeah, of wrath, children of God. Children of wrath, children of God, good. Yeah, then Romans 9, yes, isn't that great? I remember uh, our pastor from Myrtle Beach 20 years ago um, gave me the book Men Made New by Stott, which was five to eight, his commentary on, on five to eight. But just like you said, Men Made New, completely transformed from what we from what we were. Wow, Caitlin, that's happened to, to you, huh? Three years, four years, how many years? I don't remember now. Yeah. It's hard to decide when the timeline, like we, I started coming to North Avenue versus like when, when did it, I actually get saved. I yeah. think it was summer 2020. Was it? What, what day is it? Yeah, it's going to be three years. <laughs> yeah, so three yeah. years ago. Yeah, but that transformation is something, is certainly something glorious. Carter, what would you say uh, has most impacted you? Here's the great thing. You guys have been working through this at Bro Bible, too. Josh, now how? year and a half? I think we started at the same time, so about a year, or a little bit before. We started in October of uh, 2021, okay. I guess. Yeah, so you guys have been a year and a half in it, so they've been getting every other week of Romans in, in, in Bro Bible. Josh has been getting a double, triple, quadruple um, uh, thinking about this through the week. Carter? I, I just I enjoyed working my way through Romans. At first, all these, all the things that we were going through, like justification by faith, um, like propitiation, uh, the righteousness of God, the imputation of the righteousness of Christ to us, all these things just seemed like very abstract concepts to me at the beginning. It seemed it, it was very hard to work through just this continuous accumulation of arguments, and but when we hit Romans eight. I have to say, before uh, Romans 8 hasn't really struck me as deeply as it has going through Romans this time, especially the reinforcement that we had at Bro Bible as we were going through 8.32, or as as we worked through the passage, the part of the text where Paul says that um, God works all things together for good for all those who are called according to His purpose. And, I mean, not to put anyone on the spot, but watching... <laughs> tremendous suffering um, <clears throat> that was occurring in your life it was 
when we we went through it at, at um, we went through it here, and then when we went to Bro Bible, that the next following weeks, renting that and seeing just how we have no fear because of the security that we have in Christ. That right now, <laughs> the whole world, all the forces and and terrors of hell may may come against us, all of its assaults. But we have security in Christ. That has like that has driven home more than anything. Mm-hmm. And I felt it. I I told Josh beforehand that I felt that conviction more fully in this study of Romans than ever before. Just all those abstract concepts rendered down into one substance that really seeped from my head a little bit, uh, a little bit deeper into the affections. So no, it's deep, Scott. It's been such a joy to watch the Lord use that chapter in your life um, in an extraordinary way. Tell us about, maybe not just Romans 8, or maybe it is, but uh, tell us kind yeah. of your thoughts. And before I do that, though, I just got to say, I mean, Jerry, does he, he talked about how these guys, and you should be thankful for I mean, Jerry Ediger has taught Romans, I mean, he's going to kick me off now, send me, send me back up there where I started, but Jerry has taught Romans for over 20 years. Mark said one time, that man eats and breathes Romans. So, I mean, what a, what a privilege for all you guys to have this guy. Now we've got him on the podcast. I mean, this guy, the Romans, he just knows, like, with you guys, he just knows the whole thing, the outlines in his head. So thankful for Jerry. But these two guys next to me here, I mean, they got pushed out of their comfort zone. I've mentioned this before, like, totally out of their comfort zone. And they've tried, like, I was wondering in that group text, how many times they try to wiggle out of being up here. And Jerry Edeker will say, <laughs> he, he will not put up with the excuses. I remember one time, Josh tried to get out one time, and Jerry immediately came back and was like, nice try, Josh. I'm like, no, you're getting up here. And I talked to Jerry afterward. I said, Josh tried to get out. He said, that was a pretty weak, weak attempt that Josh made. This is what Jerry said. So they have been pushed out of their comfort zone. But here's, here's the thing. My dad was in pastoral ministry for all kinds of time, and he would say he preached that sermon on Sunday. He said he'd get down in his bed, and he'd just be like, oh, you know, that sermon is done. And you say you, you feel like a second of relief. He said, then the hour hand thing turns back, hourglass like turns back over. The clock starts ticking for the next Sunday. It's coming. I got to have another sermon prepared. These guys have, they know that. You, you teach Sunday school, oh man, that's done. You may you feel like you didn't do a great job or whatever you may feel, but it's like, oh, it's done. Monday morning, Mark will say, that stack of commentaries, Romans commentaries, is sitting there waiting for these two guys. You got to go to them. Like, you've got to go to it because you got to prepare. So, I mean, probably hundreds of hours of prep. I mean, mm-hmm. genuine Thanksgiving for these two guys, anyway, before they all push me, push me off. Um, I would say just Romans as a whole. I mean, y'all getting to go through the whole book of, of Romans. It should lead, like, theology should lead to doxology, praise. I mean, even just Grant talking about propitiation just now. It makes me want to go in there and sing, sing with Ian. Like, we want to sing about it. It should lead us to, it should be transformed lives. I was just thinking, I mean, Romans 8, Spirit helps us in our weakness, don't know how to pray as we ought to pray. Like, that should make us want to pray. I and mean, that's just one verse. I mean, I thought about Graham when you talked about Haley. Haley almost died. It lost all this blood. There's your newborn baby. They take Haley away. Grant's like, I don't even know how to pray. Well, what a comfort. The spirit is like the guy on the phone, the kid on the phone with his brother having a seizure, saying he doesn't know how to say whatever's going on. His dad takes the phone and says, this is the situation this was going on. That's the spirit. He takes it, takes the line, but this is the situation. This is what's needed. I mean, what an encouragement to pray, but even Romans 13, about the, the that night is far gone, the day is half spent. I thought about, like, Liliana Seck here, like, months ago, taking notes. She's in heaven. Like, it's so... Uh, life is going so quickly, and Romans reminds us, like, we want to get after it, like like you said. Uh, and I, I saw her notebook with Romans notes in it, but she doesn't need it anymore. Like, fullness of joy, pleasure forevermore. She, she's there. And so uh, I love Romans because it, it reminds me of the shortness of time, but Romans 8, with the promises in Romans 8, like, it is the Mount Everest of... Like, you're more secure than Mount Everest. Like, the like Romans 8.28, sovereign God is ruling everything in your life, pleasure and pain, for your good. You cannot be swept over if, if you're clinging, clinging to the promises of Romans 8. So I'm so thankful for this guy in the end who you've modeled this for years in my own life where when that trial hit for me, you just... It's just there. It's just in operation. And partly, I'm sure it's partly... I mean, it's all kinds of things, but certainly your life and my life. And, I mean... You just cannot be swept over. Like, every cancer cell is being controlled by God for Liliana's good, his glory, my good. Uh, it just creates, you just you can rest, you can sleep at night, because you, your whole life is in God's hands, and you're, you're immortal until your work is done, and then heaven awaits. And so, yeah, Romans 8. I, I love Romans because of Romans 8. I mean, it is a tremendous chapter. I mean, it begins with no condemnation and no separate. And just take no condemnation. Like, we deserve condemnation. That's all we deserve. It's all been spent on Jesus. We're covered in the blood of Jesus. I mean, I could go on and on about I'm trying to be concise here, but Romans 8 is tremendous. It's got to be one of the greatest chapters in the Bible. I mean, if you are dying, what do, you, what do you want? You want this genealogy? Maybe you do, but 
Romans 8 is certainly one, it's got to be one of the top passages. I mean, I read chunks of it over and over again. Uh, nothing's going to separate you from the love of God, but not death. Like, what a comfort to cling to uh, when we're dying. Mm. You know. God, that's beautiful. He didn't spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. How will he not, along with him, graciously give us all things? You can't argue with that logic. He's given us Christ, uh, propitiation. Um, so he will graciously give us all things. The same all things is in 28. All things will work together for good. Every single thing. Papa, you have enjoyed Romans more than the rest of us. Longer than the rest of us. Not talking well, about, so grace, because sorry I, about that. I came before the flood. Is that what you're saying? Well, I wasn't going to mention that. I'm glad you did, though. I, I think, you know, believe it or not, I'm going back to the text. And, and you know, in, 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 in 17 through... Uh, 20 he gives a couple a couple warnings typical this is typical Paul he, he has greetings he has warnings he's 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 uh, recognizing the people that are with him but here he says uh, be careful of people that cause divisions and and I think that the, uh, the, the problem in the church and we've seen this with a lot of our social issues the problem in the church is in coming from inside the church Mm-hmm. And, and, and so we got to be careful of that contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught so that's contrary to the gospel avoid them for such persons do not serve our Lord Jesus but their own appetites so it's very selfish they're serving our appetites and then along with the hope Jerry he says right here in 20 the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you that's Genesis 3.15 so we've gone mm-hmm. back to Genesis 3 mm-hmm. And he's going to crush the head of the... He, the serpent crusher is coming. It's really good. Or he has come. Yep. And well, that we'll is soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. So the, certain, the first time that Jesus is mentioned, 315, uh, in Scripture there is uh, refers to that right there. Really good. Anybody else uh, from maybe um, study, maybe from um, your time in here, any other insights that you guys would just like to, to throw out that you would say that you're uh, thankful for this book? Um, probably can close with the doxology. Any more thoughts from you guys? Josh, you look like you have one. I'm, I'm itching to know from you, Jerry, what, what stood out to you in this whole thing? Oh wow! I think the um, that cohesiveness of what you, it's just really a lot of what you guys have mentioned. But I love the flow of thought. I love the logic. Yes. That to start with the depravity that we all start with in one to three, and then to to get us to justification that we have been declared righteous not at all because of you guys mentioned three twenty. If it's only by our works, we're condemned, but there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So from six to eight, the sanctification, we're freed from the penalty of sin. Uh, Through justification, we're being freed from the power of sin. Through sanctification, we're soon going to be freed from the presence of sin. Scott, that no doubt, like you're saying, gives us an urgency uh, to redeem the time. Um, that's coming. That's what Liliana is experiencing now. That's what the rest of us are going to be experiencing any day now. Um, that's going to be so, so glorious. Um, and then um, I love what you're saying, Thomas, about just how practical it is to starting from 12 to say, well, then this is the way we can love each other. How can we love each other in the way 12 and 13 um, and 14 and 15 challenges to in light of what the Lord's done for us in the in light of justification and the sanctifying work that he's doing in us and, and Romans 8 was uh, uh, a great time when we were here and I guess September and October maybe um, those were um, fantastic chapters to once again be reminded like Scott mentioned that we start with no condemnation and and with uh, no separation so um, mother so much but I do think I, I'm reminded that it never gets old every week and Mark mentioned this yesterday what's his favorite passage of scripture whatever he happens to be teaching Sunday it gets to be 
your favorite. And so that's what happens in the book of Romans, I think. Uh, whatever we were in uh, becomes just so, with what you think about through the week, what you enjoy, please bathe your mind in scripture. Uh, meditate on it day and night. Observe to do according to all that's written therein. Then that's what makes you prosperous and give you good excess, success in, in everything that you do. Papa, um, this last, last doxology that you were uh, talking about, would you read that for us um, there at the end uh, in closing? I'd love to. Now to him who's able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for many ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings, has been made known to all nations, the Ta-Ethne there, according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. Faith to the only wise God be glory forevermore through Christ Jesus. Amen and amen. Amen. Could you pray for us, Papa? Yes, sir. Father God, thank you. Uh, thank you for Romans. Thank you for the perseverance and diligence of this panel. Uh, uh, primarily the ones on the left end uh, and and thank you for Jerry I mean, he uh, like Scott said I think he, he lives Romans I mean I've been in his classroom <clears throat> and for 20 some odd years he's taught Romans and lives Romans every day of his life and I'm just grateful for his uh, uh, example and um, I also want to close in this I was thinking that, that Fanny Crosby him to God be the glory, great things he has done. So loved he the world that he gave us his son, who yielded his life an atonement for sin and opened the life gate that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the earth hear his voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let the people rejoice. O oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give him the glory, great things he has done. Amen and amen in Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you all for your faithfulness of uh, many, many weeks. Lord willing, next <coughs> week we will start the Providence series, which is, uh, I think, going to be super exciting, probably about four months uh, in the gym.